This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Good afternoon, welcome to Any Answers. So, two more years. Yep, status quo till 2021. But weren't we meant to be out by 2019? Whether you voted to leave or remain, I'm taking your reactions to Theresa May's Florence speech. And according to recent polling, if a referendum happened today, Britain would vote to stay in Europe. Are you one of those people who changed your mind? If so, tell me what swung your thoughts. Uh, Also, do you believe Vince Cable when he says Brexit can now be stopped? Or are you furious that this question is even being asked? Either way, do get in touch. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Text us on 84844 or tweet us using the hashtag BBCAQ. Uh, Rocket man, madman, frightened dog, dotard. What do you make of the somewhat deranged international diplomacy shuttling between North Korea and America? Are you frightened staying up at night because of the possible outcomes? In more domestic matters, let's talk about private schools. Should they have charity? status and uber leading the bulletins this afternoon does it deserve to lose its license oh three seven hundred one hundred four 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 is the number to call eight four eight four four or tweet using the hashtag bbcaq overwhelmingly we're getting brexit calls just while we line those up though let's uh, take one on uh, uber peter rose is calling us from london good afternoon peter Good afternoon, Anita. Thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. Um, My pleasure. Now, listen, you've got skin in the game, though. Tell us Tell us why. Um, I've got skin in the game. Yeah, because you're, well, you're a driver, I'm, I'm, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. I'm, I'm a London taxi driver and uh, a United Union uh, cab section uh, rep uh, for taxi drivers. OK. Uh, so, that, so my position is clear. I mean... The thing is that Uber totally deserves to lose its licence because, you know, right from the very start, Uber has never wanted to play by the rules. It has, it has, it has flouted regulation going back to, from, to the early days of not, not, not uh, providing a telephone number for its customers to pushing back on full-time insurance to English language requirements, which is going to court next spring. That case is still, still ongoing, it's still going. You know, it's all of these things, plus, uh, you know, the recent uh, activities with uh, uh, not uh, reporting crimes that are mm-hmm. happening in Uber vehicles, not providing uh, correct DBSs by the company that they should be using. D- DBS you know, is the new way of talking about the criminal checks. Sorry, that, yeah, 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 that's yeah, all right, that's OK. It's the new name uh-huh. for, the criminal, for the old criminal records test. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, Uber has shown itself to be an irresponsible uh, private hire operator. Can I, can, I, can I ask you this then? I mean, half a million in 24 hours, half a million signatures to this petition saying we want to keep Uber, you know, and basically don't care about all no. that stuff. We want to keep Uber. And, I, and, and texts like this coming in. So let me read this. It's from Luke Vernon, who's got in touch this afternoon. Until Uber came along, I never used taxis and I certainly won't now. Um, what, what, do you, what do you put this sort of enormous response to the cancellation of the licence down to? Well, well, nobody's denying that uh, services like Uber aren't popular, but there are other services out there that do conform to the, to the, to the rules uh, and to the regulations. Um, taxi apps such as uh, Get and My Taxi, mm. private hire apps like Addison Lee and others that are out there. You know, it's, you know there are uh, perfectly good operators that provide a perfectly good service that comply with the rules. So you're not a black cab driver just saying use black cabs. You, I mean, you're naming some private hire companies as well there. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. You know, against private hire services. But you know, in some local areas, private hire services perform a very important function. Uh, you know, but with, with the advent of Uber, some of those companies have actually gone to the wall and disappeared. So people, you know, people are losing services. They're mm. not gaining anything with Uber. Uber is just a private hire company that just doesn't want to play by the rules. Okay. The other. The other thing. The other, I mean, the other. Game changer with Uber is that it's actually using a London license to crack a national nut. We've got London licensed drivers, you know, and I speak to the Unite rep who's got, you know, with branches up and down the country, you know, who are reporting why am I, why are we seeing, my, you know, my colleagues are seeing mm. London licensed Uber picking up in Leeds, mm. Brighton. Well, you know, uh, P- yeah, uh, P- Peter. The, the only, I mean, I'm, I'm not cutting you off for any other reason that you understand how this game works. You know, that those are kind of serious things to say about Uber, and they're not here to answer it. But I welcome anybody from Uber if you want to talk to us, driver or otherwise. Uh, tell us, is that right? Oh three seven hundred one hundred four 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 is the number to call. Peter, a lot of people. I'm going to move on because we the dam's about to burst with Brexit calls, which we now have. And I just want to tell you that a lot of people are ringing up, uh, and texting uh, to agree with your point. This is from Stephanie who says uh, people can have their Uber back when it's put its house in order. This isn't really difficult to understand. Tony says the objection to Uber has nothing to do with rejecting new technology. It's about having standards for how people run a business. Uh, Henry says all Uber has to do is obey the law. Do that and back comes your licence. Uh, and another one here praising black cabs. It's uh, from someone calling themselves Rakes Revenge on Twitter, because you can on Twitter. Uh, black cabs are fantastic. They deserve a price premium. How much of a premium? That probably ought to be for customers to decide. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, let's take uh, some thoughts on Brexit now. You will have heard, I'm sure, either in part or in full, Theresa May's latest thoughts on Brexit and how it's going to happen. Uh, we have a timetable that now seems to be stretching to 2021 rather than 2019, which is uh, when we were meant to be out. What do you make of this? Have you changed your mind? Because there are some uh, interesting opinion polls which suggest that if the referendum vote happened today, we would have a very different result. Your thoughts on this? 03700 100 444. Let's go to Colin Pine, who's calling us from Hornchurch in Essex. Good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon. Now, did you hear the May speech? Yes. And what did you make of the May speech? Well, I just wondered what mandate she was, uh, and what tune she was playing to. Um, See, what I can't understand is, when we had the referendum, all the MPs voted so we could have the referendum, all parties. Mr Cameron went over to Europe... Uh, didn't get us a deal. We had had a year of um, talking about it. We had £10 million spent sending us all a letter. We had the vote. We voted to come out. Then they had another vote to trigger Article 50. Mm -hmm. Now, they knew we had two years to do a deal. They all knew that, but they triggered Article 50. They had six months to decide that, but they then decided. Now, after triggering... Then they're saying, oh, we've got to have another two years. Why didn't they do that before they triggered uh, Article 50? OK, so so let's just say, OK, they, 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 they could have done it your way, um, Colin. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just say, you know, they should have followed, you know, the, the Pine way of doing it, but they didn't, OK. Mm-hmm. But now they've triggered it. 
Is it not responsible? You know, we're talking about corporate responsibility in the last call, but isn't it responsible if a government says, actually, things are a lot trickier than we thought, we need a, we need a bit of time to sort it out? Is it, is it not responsible for a prime minister to say, look, two years of transition period so that, you know, businesses can calm down a bit, um, everything can sort of carry on until we are ready? Well, how long, how long is the piece of string? You think it'll be longer? Yes, mm. I mean... It, it, when you say calm down, nothing's really happened. What's happened? Yeah, we ain't come to the end of the world. Mm. We haven't dropped the bomb. Everything's moving on. Yes, all right, the pound dropped. Some businesses are struggling and some businesses are absolutely booming. That's that's sign of the times. So that's been like that. When we, when we fell off the cliff in 2007, we was in Europe. Mm. We had the biggest recession this world ever had. We was in Europe. I, I work for a company... In um, Ford Motor Company, had a hundred thousand folding um, UK employees. Mm. Where did all them employees go? They went to Europe. We don't make a car in this country anymore. So when uh, politicians say about the car industry, my car industry went to Germany, went to Belgium, went to Spain. It didn't come here. It, it all pulled out of here. Have you got? So, have you got any friends? I mean, you're clearly you voted to leave. Are there any of your Leaver friends who are saying, actually, actually, Colin, I'm, actually, I'm not people, leaving anymore? People who voted to stay, yeah. they're now saying we should go. Right. Because you can't you can't keep... Why don't we have enough referendum then? If the government's that concerned... Mm. I mean, this, this nonsense about £350 million, uh, which is always twisty, twisty, twisty. Let's, then let's just put it in plain words for the public. Forget the £300 million. We're going to save £100 million. Every, I think every MP would say that. We would save £100 million pounds mm. a week. Well, £100 million a week. You can imagine what government, what Chancellor Exchequer would love that. OK. And this nonsense about twisting it and twisting it. Yes, we could have five years more. It, I mean, look... Can, can you stay with us? Colin, Colin, I, I'm not getting rid of you. I'm not getting rid of you. I just want you to stay because I want, there are a lot of calls stacked up and maybe you want to listen to somebody who, who disagrees and maybe have a chat. Uh, Professor Peter Millican is calling from Oxford. Hello. Hello. Hi, Peter. Um, so Colin, look, just very fervently frustrated, saying, look, we have, we have expressed ourselves. Yeah. And why, oh, why is this just dragging out and dragging out? And he, as he says, I mean, you know, they're saying two years, but there are many pundits out there who think it could be a transition period longer than that. Uh, yes, can, you, can, you, can you understand his frustration? Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's a, there's a bit of an ambiguity about here about who we are. And you can, you can go one of two ways. You can either say, look, uh, we expressed our British public expressed their view in 2016 and we've got to stick with that no matter what. Or you can say, well, you know, views change. He just made the point that some uh, friends of his who voted uh, remain would now say leave. Well, OK, so does that mean we're going to take into account changing views? But the point I wanted to make was that if, if we go with the first option, if we say, look, they voted and that's that, we have to bear in mind that demographically, the people who voted then are not the same people who populate Britain now. And by the time 2021 comes, they'll be different again. So, I mean, average life expectancy is around 81. So every year, roughly one in 16 of the over 65 age group dies. Mm. They voted 61 to 39 in favour of leave. But every year we get a new cohort of 18-year-olds coming through and the under 25s voted 75, 25 in favour of remain. Mm. So even if no voter changes their mind, you just do the arithmetic and it suggests that sometime in 2019... 
the majority will go to remain rather can, than can leave. I, I'm going to come back to Colin because I know he's. I can feel he's chafing to come back, and and I want to hear from him again. But just let me let me put this to you, Peter. Uh, th- there are uh, those who will say, you know what, a Remainer would say that by hook or by crook, they want to undo this vote. And that is what is going to happen. Would you prefer then for, um, you know, no deal is better than a bad deal, um, just come out, cut off at 2019, no matter what that means? Well, the point I'm making isn't about what I would prefer. It's about thinking logically about these things. And either you say, well, the previously expressed views are binding, but then you have to recognise that the population is changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, we shouldn't be disenfranchising all the people who are now 18 and 19 who didn't get a chance to vote then. OK, but, but, then, or, but, but yeah, by your argument, there's going to be a shift to 2019 if the numbers you're giving. I mean, there's going to be a sort yeah. of a, a demographic differential, but, but then no yeah. referendum's worth anything. No, no, but what it means is that when you've got any decision that takes a long time to implement, yeah. uh, the rational thing to do once you've got a final decision is to put that back to the public and check yeah. that they're happy with or, it. Or, to, are, or, or Professor, to do what other people are saying, which is no matter what, 2019, cut off. You know, don't have a transition period, just do it. No deal is better than a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, but we've no reason for thinking that the British public would support that. Okay. The referendum didn't give nuanced decisions. It didn't say, you know, what kind of Brexit you'd prefer. And I don't believe 52% of people okay. voted in favour of a very hard Brexit. OK, let me go back to Colin. And um, thank you very much, Peter. We're going to take more of your calls. 03700 100 444. Colin, I, I just wanted to come back to you because that, that is a, a, a point that I've seen raised elsewhere, that according to demographics and demographic shift, the young overwhelmingly voted to stay older people voted to leave but if this takes a very long time you're going to have a a group of people in Britain who would not have voted to leave and those who did vote to leave you know sort of as as, uh, uh, the professor put it much better than I am going to put it you know dying off and so it will be an unrepresentative result it will not be the will of the people anymore what do you say to that well let's have a referendum every four years then (laughs) that's what you're saying of course the population changes so what? So we have a decision every four years where we're going to stay in Europe and come out of Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a little bit ridiculous. The population changes, yes, absolutely. But we made a decision there. And all this nonsense about the British people didn't know. Well, that's not our fault. You had seven, well, 12 months, day in, day out, mm. of listening to this. So all this nonsense from both sides saying we didn't know, the British people did know. OK. All right, Colin, thanks Thanks for being with us. 03700 100 444 is the number. Let's talk to Lisa King-Scott, who's calling us from Wiltshire. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Lisa. What did you want to say? Uh, yeah, well, just on the previous caller, he was saying that the British don't make any cars anymore. The last I heard, we made more cars than we've ever made, but um, that's beside the point. The vote, uh, the Brexit vote, I think, was a snapshot of opinion in time. It Mm -hmm. wasn't uh, the will of all the people that we should exit. It was only about 38% of the electorate. You could argue that the ones who didn't vote don't have a voice, but um, that seems a bit crass to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we should more or less, as the chap, who just said we should have more votes. This is something that's for life. This is going to last us for decades and decades if we come out. We should have more than just one opinion poll, in effect. Can, well, can I, may, may, I, may I ask you, please, um, 
what what did you vote during the referendum? And if you did, as I suspect, maybe vote Remain. What saves you from the accusation from those, and they are passionate, leavers who say, you know what, by hook or by crook, you're trying to get your way, even though the vote didn't go your way? Well... Did, did you vote yes, to remain, that, may I ask? That could be... I did vote remain, right. yes, okay. and I'm a passionate remainer. I will uh, hopefully go to Manchester for the Stop Brexit March next mm-hmm. week. Um, I think that uh, the country was deceived. I think the um, it, it was deceived both ways. I mean, that, that's an argument that's been had many times, that there were lies on both sides. But I think the uh, the lies on the... Uh, Brexit side were extreme and you know, you've even got some of the figures like the 350 million being mm. banded out again. There will be no Brexit dividend. We do get a lot from Europe. We make more cars in the UK now than ever before okay. mainly because we're producing cars for foreign companies who want to sell them in Europe. And, and I just wanted to, I mean, I'm not that I don't believe you, Lisa, but I'm not at all that, but I just wanted to be right on figure, so I just looked that up. The number of cars to roll off UK production lines rose by 7.3% uh, last month. Uh, no, in April, I beg your pardon, compared with a year earlier. So that was the highest number since March 2000. Those are the, the most recent figures I can find. So, yeah, OK, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's the figure that you were referring cars, to. Uh, okay. you know, and... They are being made. Okay. So in Europe, mostly we don't export them to Japan or okay. anywhere else. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but, so, so, Lisa, uh, you would like to see another referendum, or would you like to see? Um, I don't know what you would like to see. Just another referendum when? I think we should have at least one more, if not two more referendums. Oh, All I right. Think. Okay. All right, Lisa. We should have one based on what the terms are going to be at the very minimum. Mm. And another one to see, well, do we still think we should leave? All right, Lisa. Let, no, thank you very much indeed. So two more referendums. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, would you be up for that? 03700 100 444. Alistair McMillan is calling us from Greenock. Hello, Alistair. Hello. Hi. No more referendums, please. We've no more referendums. One. And I think the one thing is that people's views change as they get older. Many of us who voted to come out actually were very pro the EU when we were when we were younger and of student age. We were perhaps naive. We've seen, seen what it's like, and now we've made a decision. And I suspect the same thing will happen to young people. And I, don't think, I think there's a fig leaf of an argument to try and use as a lever to get another referendum. No, that, was, that was Colin, <coughs> I believe his name was Colin Pye, the professor who rang up at the beginning saying, yeah. I think it was, um, saying, correct. actually, you know what, um, we ought to uh, take into account that there is a changing demographic and those who voted to leave are going to die and so the young yeah. are going to actually represent Britain and they will not want this. Exactly. Young, I was young once, you were young once. We Hi, all I'm still young, views. hello. Yeah, we all <laughs> had different views. Right, OK. Well, I know, we're all, we were all young. <laughs> One thing is we all old people were young. Yeah, all okay. young people are not, are not middle-aged. And I'm afraid it does, one's views do change as one gets more experience in the world. Yeah, OK. Yeah, anyway, no, no, yeah. You, can have, you can have never end them. I mean, mm, the thing is, it's always, it's always one way. If, it, if, we'd gone, if we'd got independent, if Scotland had got independence, we would have never had a referendum to rejoin uh, the UK. If we re- voted to stay in the EU, we probably would not have had another referendum in our lifetimes to come out. Okay. These decisions are made and one's got to get on with it. Okay. As far, what I really contacted you about was the illogicality of the, the, EU's, uh, the EU's requirement for the ECJ to 
to be the final arbiter on EU citizens in the UK, yeah. because they're also saying that they should be the arbiter of UK citizens in the EU. You'd have thought there'd be reciprocity, but no, no, that's not the case. They want to be the final arbiter on all citizens. Now, that to me smacks of judicial imperialism, and I think is not, you know, what other country seeks to seeks to um, protect or be the arbiter of their citizens in another country. So how would it work? I mean, the ECJ that you're talking about, Europe, European Court of Justice, and, I mean, and those who are saying that that has to be the way, um, you are saying, no, it will not be the way. Are you talking about, then, a, a dual carriageway of justice no, in this country? I, there, no, where what I mean is that... So, well, so, but what would happen? What would happen? Let me ask you just in a very real example. You've got somebody who is from Poland, who is living here and has every right to be here, yeah. and they uh, have a legal difficulty. They should go into which slipstream? They should, they should go with they should go with any you know whatever if they have a legal difficulty they they are uh, by, bound by the decisions of UK court. And what about a what about a citizen, a, just right. the same way as, as if you or I yes. were living in Spain or Portugal in my dotage, and we had yeah. something uh-huh. uh, we had a, a legal ran into legal, legal difficulty we have to uh, meet the terms of the Spanish or Portuguese court. And it's the same if we were in the United States or somebody from America was here or Japanese living here or whatever. Okay. You know, yes, yes, our countries might make representations but the other point I want to make... Yeah, I think you've panel. made... Uh, Alice, you've made, uh, like, two very long points. And I, honestly, I've not seen so many calls backed up in a long time. So thank you. I'm just going to read a few thoughts coming through on text and Twitter. Uh, Parliament has to ratify any deal. If there is no deal, presumably there will be no vote and Brexit will proceed in 2019. Mrs May could just set out her demands and sit back. Uh, another one here. Time to return to parliamentary democracy, says David O'Leary, right now. Uh, Maximilian says, we've always known the destination, but if the train can't get out of the station, we are never going to get there. The EU will not let us have a good deal. They made that clear at the outset. They fear to lose the 27 if they did give us a good deal, uh, which I suppose is saying, look, get Get on with it. Let's take another call on this. Crispin Best is calling us from Glasgow. Crispin, what do you say? Um, yeah, I'd like to get back to the original um, question, which was about Theresa's May, Theresa May's speech yesterday in Florence. Yep. Um, to my mind, that was an almost tacit admission that the question asked last year in the referendum was actually the wrong question. We had a completely binary referendum. Do you want to be in the EU or not? Now, as far as I'm concerned, the EU is a political union. I mean, the clue's in the name, the European Union. We were members of the common market, members of the European um, economic area before um, the Maastricht Treaty was signed, before the union actually started up. So it's now being interpreted by many Brexiters to say, we're leaving the EU, we're leaving the EEA, we're leaving the customs union. That wasn't on the ballot. Where was the population of Britain actually asked that question? The answer is they weren't. Mm. But yet this single answer to a binary question has been t- interpreted to mean all these things. Now, if we actually take the vote uh, as being representative, as being the settled will of the British people, whatever that means, then we can leave the EU. But why do we leave the EEA and the Customs Union? I simply don't understand this. It's going to affect the prosperity of this country and of Europe um, incredibly badly. Mm. 
Okay, thank you very much for your thoughts. 03700 100 444. A few more coming in. Uh, this here, had I believed that we would, we could have reduced immigration alongside keeping our trade benefits with the EU, I would have voted to leave. Uh, but new from Norway and other countries that we had to have trade benefits with free borders, so I did not, says Richinda. Uh, likewise, had I believed the last minute inclusion uh, that we would have had millions more for our national health service, I too would have voted to leave. I believe that had voters known the truth that our government is up against, many who voted to leave might have voted to remain. Uh, one other here. Surely it's obvious to everyone this process is completely and utterly impossible. If we must have Brexit, then we need a multi-party negotiation team, as the Tories seem incapable of organising one in a brewery. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Thank you also to those of you who've looked me up on Wikipedia. No, I'm not young. I'm just delusional. I feel young. All right. Uh, let's uh, Lots of members of faculty calling up today. Professor Colin Pritchard is here from Southampton. Hello, Professor. Hello. Hi. 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 What did you want to say? Very simply, I work in two universities, Bournemouth and Southampton, and have very close connections with the NHS. Here's a simple fact. Of all the European citizens living in this country... 80% or more are actually working. Now, you hinted that you might actually want to retire to Spain. The other alternative is British citizens living in Europe. 80% or more of those are retired. So if we have an unhappy deal, then, in fact, all our, pe our people in Spain and Portugal will come back and, frankly, swamp our health and social services. Right. That's an interesting argument. So what you're saying is, yes, the NHS does uh, risk being swamped, but by Brits coming back, if this indeed, goes pear-shaped. Yeah. Oh. See, see the, okay. we all know, that, well, actually, the, the general probably doesn't know, there's been a, a, a hidden cut for the NHS since 2010. Do you know how many numbers we're talking about? Yes, I do indeed. Uh, in 2010, we used to spend 9.4% of GDP. It's down now to 9.1%, all based on World Bank figures, we think we haven't got the World Bank figures for 15, but we think there's been further cuts. And we see them, they can do that by their lies, mm. damned lies, and politicians who misuse statistics. OK, thank you very much for your thoughts. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Um, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot uh, coming on Brexit, but also uh, some thoughts coming in on this question that came in on schools. Um Private schools, should they have charitable status? We have talked about this before, but let's talk about it again because uh, I know passions burn very hotly on this subject. Rick Hall is calling us from Nottingham. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Anita. Hello there. Should they receive charitable status or not? No, they shouldn't. Um, and not only should they not receive charitable status, but in my view, they shouldn't be uh, kept alive at all. They should be gradually phased out and abolished. Um, the reason they shouldn't be allowed to claim charitable status is that they actually only benefit uh, those who can pay for them. Um, and therefore, it's not the breadth of public benefit that qualifies for charitable status. Um, just briefly, I've done quite a lot of work in Finland. And in Finland, uh, it's against the law to charge for um, education. There are private schools in Finland, but they're not allowed to charge and they're not allowed to select viability. Mm. We all know that Finland scores above us, way above us, on the international tables of attainment. So I think that uh, public schools, private schools, are an impediment to social mobility and perpetuate 
privilege. Let me put this to you. Uh, this is from Pablo Murphy. Leave private schools alone, especially the ones providing scholarships. The solution is to fund state schools to be as every every bit as good as private. Noah says, I would never ban private schools altogether, but support grammar schools to reduce elitism, though I would ban faith schools. Dividing people based on religion um, is ridiculous. But, you know, there, there, there's a couple of people who are saying, actually... D don't do that. That's tinkering with the wrong end. If you think that there is disparity, it's the other end that you need to look at. What do you say? Well, of course, that's right. I mean, uh, grammar schools are just uh, another way in which we perpetuate uh, privilege by having selection at the age of 11. And again, my, my example from Finland is that there is no state selection, no school selection. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the exams kick in at the age of 16. Uh, and they score very well, and they are, and they, uh, you know, achieve far greater results than we do in this in this okay. country. Rick, thank you for your call. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. Can we squeeze another one? Yes, we can. David Tarsh is calling us from Kensington. Hello. Uh, hello, Anita. I've got skin in the game on this one because I uh, pay for two children to be at private school. Right. And my my view is this: if you want to make uh, states uh, independent schools not charitable. Um, therefore, I would have to pay more money. I would say, fine, provided the Exchequer realises that it is not having to pay the cost of educating my children. I must be saving the state tens of thousands of pounds by doing this. So, yeah, make ban charitable status, but then give me a tax credit based on the fact that I'm saving the state from not educating my children. Because you are an embodiment of that charitable uh, aspect. Is that what you're saying? No, what I'm saying is that, that independent education is a good thing. Mm -hmm. The more children we have in independent education, the more money per capita is available for the rest of the children. OK, let me take but another I... call on that. David, well, just squeeze another end. It may not dis agree with you. David Kinder, uh, calling from Petersfield. Um, what do you think of the other David's argument? Well, I've, I've heard that argument before, and I, I had an argument like that with a, a friend of mine, actually, who sends his children to private school. And I said, well, if you want to, you could always just take that money and put it straight into a, a sta your local state school. Um, you know, it would, pay, it, would, it would circulate the money around quite happily, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my, my point was really a, a moral argument, I think. I, I think that if we value all the children in this country equally, which surely we should, and therefore we ought to be, we ought to be saying that we can pay the same amount for all of them at, 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 in education. And I think it's it's bizarre in a way that you can say there's one child who's worth, the, the place that I work at, which is a sixth form college, £4,000 a year, which is what the state pays for them. And down the road there is a, a famous uh, school where it's more like £24,000 a year which is paid for that child. And I think how can we morally justify the idea that on, on top of that, on top of the fact that, that they get all these advantages, on top of that, we also say, yes, you can also have charitable status. OK, thank you very much. Um, and thank you for all the calls. If I didn't get you, I am so very sorry. We, we ran out of time. Just a couple of thoughts on Twitter to end. Uh, difficulty is that education is de facto charitable. Difficult to remove that without penalising legitimate charities. And this one, perhaps public schools should justify their charitable status by taking all children permanently excluded from state schools. That's it from us. Same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.